My name is Jeffrey Sidoris, and this is Process Driven. When I arrived in Alabama for a gig at the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, one of the first questions I got from my new colleagues was whether or not I surfed. I guess it makes sense, since surfing and surf culture are perceived as big parts of Southern California life. Regardless of whether you recognize names like Hurley or Billabong, or ever tore open a bar of Mr. Zog's sex wax, surf culture is no longer a subculture. It's mainstream, and it has influenced music, fashion, design, film, attitudes, even the way we speak. And just for the record, in the summer of 1991, my friend Lewis loaned me a copy of Kelly Slater, Black and White, and tried to teach me to surf. It didn't go well. But it did allow me to see a different side of a sport and a lifestyle that I would continue to enjoy in the pages of the short-lived Beach Culture magazine and in films like Point Break, Step Into Liquid, and, just to bring it full circle, the recent HBO documentary Kelly Slater 24-7. When I saw the work of photographer Ryan Strzok, particularly his surf and lifestyle photography, I knew I wanted to talk to him. From the first photo, it was obvious that Ryan wasn't just an outsider documenting this lifestyle. He was living it, and I bet he had an interesting story to tell. Turns out, whether he's self-funding a documentary about a community surrounding an all-female surf competition or photographing abandoned televisions on the streets, interesting stories don't just fuel his photography, they fuel his life. Here's my conversation with Ryan Strzok. Please listen carefully. gosh how you doing i'm good man i'm good i just woke up in california um so that's never a bad thing uh never a bad thing so now did you do i'm uh, man i'm hoping the answer is yes to this please just tell me the answer is yes you got the van and you're just driving around <laughs> yeah, yeah. yes i did yeah <laughs> yeah i got um i got a, i rented a minivan and it's so funny because um the guy at the uh, the rental place was like, he was really nice and friendly and talkative. And I, I like to talk to people in customer service because I feel like so many people just like, you know, just like hand them their credit card, run away. And- right. It's ju- it's just a transaction. Right. Yeah. And like, I mean, I, I've, I've worked like in customer service a long time ago and like the, the restaurant industry and stuff. So it's nice when people are personable and, yep. and also I'm like genuinely just interested. I will have a conversation with like anybody, you know? Yeah. So, um, it's funny. I was like, I was asking about the car. I was like, oh yeah. So like, did the seats stow? And he's like, ah, uh, well, I don't know. You'll figure it out. Like you'll, whenever you talk to the next person, um, cause you got to like walk through another set of doors and get your key and everything. He's like, why are you planning on sleeping in it? <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> How much of this I, like, do I give away? <laughs> yeah. I was frozen. I was like, no, no, <laughs> never. No, just curiosity. Really? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of funny. It almost seemed like he was on to me. I mean, cause we, we started talking and cause you know, my license is like from New York state and he's like, we just got to talking and I told him I was a photographer. I was going to go like, you know, see the pretty things that the, the golden state has to offer and, and all that. So like, I don't know if he put two and two together or he was just making a joke, but either way it was kind of funny. I was laughing to myself. So uh, is this something that you've done before or do you do it often? Cause it sounds like there was, when we talked last time, it was just matter of fact. You're like, yep, I'm in this space where I just, I want to, I want to take a breather, regroup, get some new ideas. So I'm going to go spend a month driving up and down California. And there was just no hesitation whatsoever. And I find that, I find that both remarkable and terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I'm right there with you. I find it pretty awesome and also terrifying too. No, I, um, it's, it's, uh, I haven't done anything, I guess, like this. Um, I definitely am okay with solo travel. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny. I was thinking today, I was like, oh, it'd be cool to have somebody with me. You know, I was trying to think, I was like, who would like be awesome on this trip? Um, and I invited a bunch of friends and like, we'll see if anything pans out. But I, um, I, I know that, that like wintertime, I definitely need like a reset. And for me, I think that usually means like warm weather, um, right. and sunshine, um, and like sort of escaping like the cold and, and also like work wise is really slow and, and this time of year for me. So, um, I haven't done anything, I guess much like this. So I was a little bit nervous leading up to it just to be honest, you know, mm-hmm, I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, 
why am I doing this? I was like, am I really going to go freaking do this? I was like, what is this going to get me? You know, like I was just, I tried to come at it all angles. And then I was like, you know, I also know that I have to surrender to the freedom of the road, I guess, if right. that makes any sense. Right. I know as I get older, you know, and I'm not saying I'm old. So like, you know, but like as, as I get older, as I, as I mature or, you know, however you want to put it, I find I think a lot more about things, which is, you know, a benefit to not going and doing something stupid. I mean, I still right. do plenty of stupid things, you know, <laughs> but like it, uh, it, it, I think it can kind of hamper, I, I guess, the way that I've sort of like lived in, uh, I don't know, the creative space, I yeah. guess, because yeah. I'll, think, I'll think so much about something and I'll think about all the reasons why I shouldn't do it, you know, and mm-hmm. Whereas when I was younger, like in my twenties, I, I, I moved every year and, and, and I didn't stay in one place that long. Um, plenty of times I did not have my own place and I would just buy plane tickets and go places. Wow. You know, I, I kind of like, I look back on, on my twenties sometimes. And I think to myself, I'm like, damn, I was so much cooler then. you know, like, I, <laughs> I don't know, I like, man, the sound of this trip, you're pretty cool now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, this is like, maybe I think this is without like setting out for this type of purpose. I think what, what happened is that I, I thought of this as getting back to myself and who I am. And mm-hmm. I knew that I just had to push myself over the ledge. Right. Because once I get into it, like I, I'll I'll relearn how to make decisions. I'll relearn how to do nothing. I'll relearn how to see beauty in the world. Like I, I think a lot of this is, you know, maybe relearning or reinforcing. Or I think a lot of um, a lot of what my creativity thrives on is sort of uncertainty mm-hmm. and and just sort of being in the moment. And the best way to to be in the moment behind the camera is to be in the moment in life. And I think. Um, I think that time like stands still when, when you can experience that. And and I know some of the ingredients for me that, that really, I don't know, I guess like make that whole thing happen for me. Like I know how to throw all the ingredients in a pot and mix them around. And I know the, I don't know exactly the outcome, but I know it like pours into something that I really feel energized by, I guess. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's sort of, I guess what this is all about. Was there an event? Because you had mentioned, you know, just a minute ago, jumping on a plane and and really not having a plan. And and it sounds like you've you've been that guy who's just able to leap. And at some point, it sounds like a change kind of started to creep in. Was was there an event? Was there a season in your life that prompted you to start thinking about things more and maybe leaping a little less? I think. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm tracing it back chronologically from soonest to oldest, you know, as, as we're speaking. And and I think, I think really it came to a point, um, maybe a little over a year ago where I, my lease was going to be up in, in New York. And I was just sort of like, I wasn't sure exactly what was making me happy in New York, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, for how I mean, long I, had, had this been building? I, I think it probably was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the, the whole New York thing for me is like, I, I moved there five or six years ago, something like that. I moved to Harlem and I was there for a bit. And then I moved to Brooklyn. I was there for a bit. And then I moved to Rockaway beach, which is still technically New York city, but basically you are the furthest away from Manhattan while still saying, yes, I am New York city based. You know, mm-hmm. I was like 10 houses from the beach great roommates, uh, probably my favorite roommates I, I've lived with so far this, you know, in, in my time here on earth. And, uh, it was just, it was, it was a really happy place for me. I went up staying two and a half years. And um, was that an intentional move? Were, were all of these from Harlem to Brooklyn to Rockaway beach, were they intentional moves or did they just sort of happen out of circumstance and leaping? Damn, man, we're getting deep. No, hey, I'm not messing around, <laughs> man. <laughs> if we want. <laughs> so before I moved to New York, I, I think I felt, um, sort of like, I, 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 I don't want people to take like, I guess these words too harshly that they're, they're just kind of flowing off my tongue. But like, I felt creatively stifled there and not mm-hmm. like I'm some 
creative genius, man. Creativity is one of the hardest things to channel, you know, um, even though it's like my favorite thing. Like I, you could, I could call myself a creative, like I'm a photographer. I work in filmmaking. Like I, I, I love visual things, but like, I thought that, you know, I was kind of, I guess, coming off of that, uh, travel bender, I guess, if you want to call it, where just every, you know, every year I was going somewhere different, like, and I, I, I've done like, you know, trips to like Tahiti for like two months. And I've like been to the North Shore of Oahu for six weeks. And I, I would just jump in a car and go to North Carolina or like jump on a plane and get to California. You know, I would just like go to these places or my friends were going on a surf trip to Panama. Hey, let's go. Well, like it takes three planes to get there. And then you got to take a, a boat out to the surf spot. And then and then we're going to sail for three nights and we're going to sleep on the boat like you know, all these like, like amazing adventures that I look back on. And I'm like, I feel like, I guess it, it sounds funny, but like, I, I feel proud of myself that I went and I did all those things. You know, mm -hmm, I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. it's so cool. Like I did that. Like, I it is. It's, that was it's my James life. Bond without the killing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a lover, not a fighter. So that's, yeah. <laughs> and now all um, of, all of these trips, did you have camera in hand all the way back? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 For sure. When I first started like really traveling was like the, was when I was like really heavily into like shooting surf photography and, and it was funny, like I, I, the camera has always been a precedence. Like once I sort of really picked it up seriously mm -hmm. and I stopped surfing really like, you know, it was, it was actually something that I was like really sort of self-conscious about. Cause I mean, dude, the raddest surf photographers are all really good surfers too. But like, that wasn't me. Like I had to pick one, you know, if I wanted to get good at surfing, cause I started late, like in college, right. If I wanted to get good at surfing, I had to surf. If I wanted to get good at photography, I had to take photos and right, like, right, right. Really which which one most, of those things came first, surfing or the photography? I guess, I mean, technically photography, I had like a point and shoot, like 35 millimeter camera that I would like snap around in high school and stuff. But like, I didn't. I didn't take it seriously and I didn't know like the technical stuff behind it. And like, I was just, I remember thinking like I would take a picture of my friend and, and sometimes, uh, the camera would just read it the right way. And the background would be all out of focus, you know, like taking a portrait of somebody. And I, I, I didn't know what that meant and I didn't know how that was. And I didn't know what like bokeh was. I didn't know what depth of field was. I didn't know any of that stuff. I would just point a camera, press the button. And like, if a picture came out, I was like, Ooh, that's really cool. I like that. <laughs> how did I do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I technically photo came first. Um, yeah. And then I got into surfing my buddy, Dan, um, I would paddle out with him and then I eventually started surfing on my own, you know, paddling out and like, you know, didn't always have to be with friends and, but all my friends were really great surfers and it was just really amazing to watch them surf. Mm -hmm. Um, especially in the early morning when, when the sunlight was really crazy cool looking and I would just be sitting there on my board and somebody would do like a big top turn or somebody would like just get like this sick barrel. And like my surfing wasn't at that level, but I could see it with my eyes. You know, I could look at it. I could mm -hmm. really understand it to be like, Oh wow, this is really cool. And, and I, and I wanted to pick up a camera and bring it into the water. And I eventually did. And I think that was really the catalyst to one, I think surf photography forced me to meet new people. It forced me to get out of my shell a little, a little bit. It forced me to be uncomfortable in a healthy way. Um, you know, and I, and I made really great friends and, and I think I've always made my best friends at the beach. Wow. Um, since my twenties, like I, you know, I have friends from high school, like two, two or three that I'm still really great friends with, but I would say the majority of my friends after that, like, and, and I went to college, but like, I, I really made friends like in my twenties through like the ocean, the beach. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, eventually through like photo and filmmaking in, in like my industry. So like the beach is kind of like really given me everything. And, and, and once I started shooting it more and more, that's, I think that was the catalyst to, to all the travel. Like, you mm -hmm. know, I just would, I would jump on a plane and I would just go shoot and, and go explore and, and all that. Was there a point where photographing surfing was in some way more satisfying than than surfing than being out on the board oh 100 percent. yeah 100 yeah. percent. yeah I, that's why i stopped surfing mm -hmm. I, that's 100 percent. that's why i stopped surfing because it was so addicting to to shoot really close in really good waves with a fisheye lens because like everything was so different um and and i was the kid growing up 
who wouldn't get out of the pool. Like I, my cousins would be getting out and I'd be begging everybody to stay in. <laughs> Just a little you while know, like, longer. Yeah. 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 So water has always been this thing that I've, I've really loved and really felt, um, amazing, like in and around. It's just like this calming thing. It's, it's, it's brought me like my most peaceful moments. And it's also brought me some of my most fearful moments, you know, Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. in certain, certain places. Um, I think what's really, really interesting about water is that it's life and it it can also be death, you know? Um, yeah, sure. And it's, it's also like this source of, um, enjoyment that so many people that I know around the country, around the world, like the ocean just provides so much for people. And, and I don't know, it's always been sort of a fascination and, um, and surfing was like really, it was such a natural combo for me, like early on. Right. What, while we're on the subject of surfing and the ocean, I wonder if we can talk about the Tofino project. Oh yeah, of course. I I had watched it when I first found your work, but after talking to you on the phone, I went back and watched it again. And it's a beautiful piece, but I think the story of how it all came together makes it even more compelling. Would you mind sharing that story? For sure. I I first went to Tofino um, with my friend Riley, uh, who's a really talented longboarder and lives in Santa Cruz. And he got invited to the duct tape uh, which is like a, a really, really awesome longboarding event. Um, it's held like around the world in different places. It's different every year. As a matter of fact, this just this past fall, I was in Rockaway Beach, hmm. um, which is really cool. Um, but his he got invited to go and his family asked me to go along and, and film. And, and so I went and um, we got into town and Riley and his, his dad had met um, a couple people from Tofino in Mexico either earlier that spring, and this is a bit, going back maybe three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. And they stayed in touch with them. And once we got into town, we hit up uh, this woman, Jen. She she owns a shop in, in Tofino. And um, Riley had met her already. And, and, and we just asked, hey, where should we surf? Where should we eat? Uh, what should we do while we're here? So she's like, all right, well, there's like, there's an amazing hike in the old growth forest. You just jump on a little boat. They bring you across the, the inlet. And... Uh, you get to walk along this amazing trail. If you want to go surf, check out Cox Bay or um, Incinerator Rock down in, in Long Beach. So like we, we really got the, the whole run of the town and um, we really kind of just got hosted like from the kindness of, of Jen's heart. And, right. and we met another girl, Sarah, who, who really just started like, you know, bringing us around and surfing with us. And eventually it just like snowballed and we met all these amazing women in Tofino. And I was just like sort of blown away because one, on the East Coast, uh, um, there isn't tons of women surfing. That that is definitely changing. Um, but four years ago, it was different, and now it's it's changing even more. But I'm from Jersey, and Jersey is like you know a heavy like shortboarding scene, mm-hmm. and um, that's like what I'm used to. I'm I'm used to like just grinding barrels like that'll just spit its guts out. And I know this is a big claim. But New Jersey gets, do it. gets do it. It gets it gets world class a couple days out of the year. Hmm. Um, it's mind blowing how good it is for shortboarding, and it, but it's it's a lot of men. So and have like have I you experienced from. that? Have you experienced those world class waves on on those oh. on those particular days? Oh hell yeah! Yeah, and that's what yeah. I used, that's what I used to live for. You know, is is those insane winter days. And it's just like a big scary swell and it's just thumping along, you know, some random sandbar. And it's just like you and a handful of friends out there. Wow. Um, you know, those are the days I live for to shoot, you know, like that when it was good and it was pumping, man, I wanted I wanted to get the best photo of the day. But yeah, so um Tofino, like it was just this stark contrast to what I've known. And 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 to give credit to Rockaway Beach, there's lots of women surfing there. Um, New York may be new to like the surf scene and, you know, there's plenty of people who have stuff to say about it, but I I will say that there's lots of women in New York surfing and that's really awesome to see. Um, but other than that, you know, like in California, you know, it's more part of the culture, but you know, I, 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 we all are only, we're products of our own environment. We have our own perspective. And I think what travel does is really push and pull on your perspective and, Mm-hmm. So I walked into this place with with basically blinders on because 
I'm like, oh, I have tunnel vision. I, like, I know what surfing is. Surfing is like, <laughs> right, oh, right. you know, like yeah. surfing is this, surfing is that. It um, looks like no, this because that's what it's always looked like to me. Right. Yeah, sure. 100%. Sure. And and so I I just made fast friends with all these women in town. And, and even to this day, I probably have one or two like male friends there, you know, mm-hmm. all the rest are women. And I, I've been there four times now. And and it, it was like this place that just so inspired me because it's like a rugged coastline. It's incredible, unbelievable beauty. I feel like Tofino is a place that I imagined as an eight-year-old watching National Geographic wow. or Nature or Nova or, you know, mm-hmm, I feel mm-hmm. like, or looking through like the magazines, I feel like it's a place that I, it, I that I wish I grew up in, you know, wow. like it's, it was, it was an, a, a really, it's a really freaking cool place. And there just happens to be this amazingly strong bond of women who are surfing there and living there and creating there. And hmm. I just, that story just like took over my thinking, you know, it kind of burned a hole in my brain after that first time I left. I was like, wow, what is that place? Right, right. What was their perception of you? Did they have similar but different blinders as they looked at you or how was their perception of you coming in as kind of a relative outsider? Um, so I think what really helped in that case, and it's funny because you'll read people's like advice, like how, how do you shoot a documentary? How Mm -hmm. do you, how do you, how do you get subjects? It's like, well, step one, meet people. Step two, build rapport. (laughs) Talk to them. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, and it's, but it's funny because this, that's how it happened. But I wasn't trying to do that. Like, you know, Hmm. a lot of times, um, let's say, uh, you're, you get up with a friend, you're like, Hey, like, you know, they like to be in front of the camera. I like to be behind the camera. Hey, let's, uh, like, yo, Friday, Friday afternoon, let's go shoot some photos and like, you know, whatever we'll walk around and et cetera, et cetera. Sure. You, you're like predicting what's going to happen. You're like, all right, well, let's go photograph these things. We have this relationship together. We're comfortable. We'll make some cool photos. Um, but like for Tofino, I just like naturally fell into this place where I was one, I was awe inspired by the setting. And then I met all these people and then like, so I'm building this relationship that I like without a purpose though. So the documentary hadn't become an idea yet mm, on that first I don't trip. Think so yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I don't think so. They had told me when I was there, cause I was there in the spring, there was like, Oh man, there's this all female surf contest called the queen of the peak that happens every fall. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah. I was like, and again, because, Hey, I know what surfing looks like. Right. I go, why do, why don't I know about this? Why is this not a bigger thing? Mm-hmm. Like, cause really I'd never heard of it. Never, ever. And it's like this past fall was its 10th year running. Wow. That's insane. Why, how come this isn't out there? Why isn't Surfline covering? Why isn't, you know, why aren't the magazines covering it? And to be fair, maybe they have, but I didn't see it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But so I think that, um, I, and I went back again in the fall. I actually had some work there in the fall, which was really amazing. And I asked production if I could go a week early. And they're like, yeah, of course, just book your ticket whenever. So I went and I, I got to go see the Queen of the Peak. And I got to, you know, see my friends who I had, you know, met the first time earlier that spring. They're all on the beach. They're all surfing. They're all in the same places. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it just sort of strengthened like that bond and I don't think they had the same reservations as I did because they uh, just appeared to just be really open and welcoming. And that I think that's what took me off guard or like, I guess, flipped my perspective. That's what sort of peeled my blinders back a little bit in mm-hmm. the sense of they were just really open and they just wanted to surf and they were just down to hang out. And they were really, really happy that I loved being there. And they just wanted to show me everything. And it was like a very different thing. So I guess all that to say that I built up this trust with these people without setting out to. I hadn't like that wasn't my purpose. And then by the time I was there and I saw the Queen of the Peak for the first time, I was like, whoa, this is crazy. I have to come back. It was like one of those things that I looked at that I was like, nobody's telling this story. Hmm. And and something like that really inspires me. And and you know, I think that's one of the things that I really loved about shooting surf when I first started was like, nobody was around shooting it. Like 
there was like some some local pros and stuff like that and like you would hear like oh this photographer came into town and they were shooting at this one wave and blah blah and i was like whoa that's sick and now like i mean there's tons of people shooting surfing which isn't doesn't take away from the beauty of it but for me i feel like i really like to i don't know i like to shoot something different and unique um and and, and this felt like something that was just not being covered like there's there's well-known photographers who live in the region. There's plenty of people who are shooting like surf and stuff, but you know, it's because everybody's in that community. All these women are there. They just, they have their own blinders on like, Oh, this is just normal for us. This is where we live. They don't see it as anything other than daily life. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And here I come in as an outsider and I'm just like, Whoa, this is, <laughs> this is amazing. Really and they're like, wait, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically. Hmm. Do you see this as an introduction to a longer form story? Is there more story to tell that that needs that you need to tell about this place? Oh man, I mean, yeah, there there is. I don't think I'm going to tell it. I think mm-hmm. Tofino is a place I'm going to keep visiting, but I, I guess there's a couple different layers to my answer here. Is I, I like the the easiest one to talk about is that. Um, it costs a lot of money to do something like this. Mm-hmm. This was a fully funded, like, like passion project of mine. Um, and a lot of friends helped out big time. You know, I, I paid for everything that I, I could afford um, and things I couldn't afford. I mean, thank God for credit cards and 0% <laughs> right. APR. <laughs> right. Thanks, Chase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, American Express, we'll say it. Thanks, American Express. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's really tough to do it financially. So right. my all, my friends who came um, to help film, they bought their own plane tickets. Wow. I I like bought like our stay. I paid for some food and like you know there was like man there was so many other expenses when like not not only just being there, mm-hmm. um, but also then in post production, you know there's just like so many different things. And then like <laughs> just just to run the whole gamut, then it's like entering into film festivals cost tons of money and just like. It just was this big giant thing, but I didn't, one, I wasn't thinking about the money, which was amazing. Right. My best ideas, I'm like, I don't give a shit. You know, I'm like, all right, I just like want to do this. How can I figure it out? Right. Um, and also it was a great learning lesson in that, you know, I work seasonally, let's say, and then I have, um, try and have like a good budget for the winter time to carry me through until work starts up again, you know, or I find something during the winter, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the, the freelance lifestyle is, is a hustle. Yep. Um, and I knew that I was not going to have, I was going to have to like go into debt for this. Like I was going to have to, um, put my life on a credit card after I did this. And mm-hmm. I definitely had to do that. And, and I, you know, only recently paid that stuff off. Was there ever a question in your mind, even before you started, whether it was going to be worth it? Oh, I knew it was going to be worth it because yeah. it, it was just, it wouldn't uh, like my brain would not shut up about it. You couldn't let it go. No. And I, and I talked to, and I, I think a way that we sometimes test ideas, or at least I do, or and I hope other people do, is they talk to people about it. And the more I talk to people, people whose opinion who I trust, you know, lots of people will say, oh, great idea or whatever, you know, but like, mm-hmm. when you talk to people who will then step in and start being like, okay, so should we do this? You know, like, I told my friend James, and, I, and I'll credit him, he's, he also, um, he uh, produced this with me. He also, uh, we have like a, a code DP credit on this. Um, James is really the the camera guy who made a lot of things happen. And um, I told him about my idea at first and he definitely, I will say he lit the fire under my ass really? to do this thing. Yeah, absolutely. How so? Because he's persistent enough where he would just keep talking to me about it. Mm-hmm. And like, he, James lives in North Carolina too. I mean, he lived in New Jersey for a little bit. That's where I met him. I actually met James in the water. I forgot about that. Really? I met James. Yeah. I met James in Ocean Grove. I swam out during, like, I think it was like a hurricane swell one, one fall. And uh, I swam out with my camera to shoot a bunch of photos. And um, he just like paddled by and like, we just were chit-chatting and he was a really good surfer. And then I seen him again at like my favorite coffee shop in Asbury Park. And he just started chatting me up and he's, you know, he's got like, I, I feel like not to generalize, but I feel like people from the South are really friendly, man. Like yeah. he's got that su- Southern charm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, did he recognize you in the coffee shop from the water or was it like a new experience again? 
No, he recognized, I think we recognized each other. Yeah. For like, we just, we, we knew, I think he, he came over and said, what's up to me. And, um, yeah, I totally forgot. I met James in the water. Yeah. So like, and then here we are, like I said, man, I met the best people at the beach and like, here we are, we're filming this thing together. And, hmm. but yeah, he was just, he was just persistent in, in following up with me. And, um, he was also pulled a lot of strings. He got us, um, a really nice camera package from a studio. He's got a good relationship with, I mean, we had to, we had to pay money to get it into the country. Like you, you got to pay when you bring that stuff to Canada and all this stuff. And, you know, but still like it saved us a bunch of money and we got to shoot on some really, really nice equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, and all we had to do was trade some of the the clips that we shot for like for their stock account and stuff. So like, you know, everything's a little hustle, especially when you're broke, man, you got to like pull all the strings and like, you got to ask for favors. And i just feel really lucky that, you know, James was, was, I told him about this idea because because he knew that it's something I really wanted to do. And he also knew like it was a great story to tell. Right. What do you take away from this? Like what, what, what do you take from this into the next thing? Is, is there something concrete or does it just sort of reinforce some of the beliefs and some of the ideologies that you, that you already had? Cause it sounds um, like you came into it so open-minded on some level, but, but, not suspicious, but as you said, you had blinders on and didn't quite know what to expect. Has that changed in, in the wake of it? Would you approach the next project differently in any way? I think so. And then now I'm remembering the question. Yeah. So it's like, uh, that we asked before and it ties in really nicely to this. Um, yeah, I think that I would approach it differently. Um, but also, you know, just to admit some of my I mean, I got, I was going to call them shortcomings, but everybody works differently. And, and, and I, sometimes, you know, we, we all wish we could be a different way or we see somebody else do something and we're like, oh man, if I could be that way. Right. I think, I think as we are is totally enough. Um, but I know what this project helped me see is that I'm not a huge planner. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm, people have called me type A. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very organized <laughs> for certain things. I'm great at building a, a a pitch or, you know, like I, I like making treatments and I like to have like this idea of what I want to do. But this documentary was an exploration really of this region because I was so curious about it. Mm-hmm. And um, a James and another crew member, Timmy, I think were a bit frustrated with me because I didn't have an exact line. You know, I didn't have like a, an exact direction for this. And those guys are coming from a commercial space in that, Um, they've worked on a bunch of television shows, but they're very used to like, okay, here's what it is. This is the direction. This is the angle. Here's our shot list. We need to get this, this, and this. Right. And that's not me. I mean, Mm. I've, I've operated, I, it can be for something like when there's an idea and it's like, okay, here's the idea. Here's the thing. It's a commercial. We're going to do this and blah, blah, blah. That's yeah. That's freaking easy, man. You can plan out all your shots. And of course you're going to, you're going to get some sort of snag while you're on set. Something different's going to happen. But man, having a plan is so easy that it's just like, come on, like, let's really explore something. Let's like really, really try and figure out what this is. Like, I I wanted to walk in with blinders. Like, I even got criticism for being a man and wanting to tell a woman's story. And I'm like, man, like you, like, it's just, uh, <laughs> you have all these outside sources coming at you. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to go in here. I don't know what this world is about. So let's put a camera on it and let's put a microphone on it and let's have a conversation and let's see what it's about. I already have these friends here. They already know me. I've already approached them. I've already asked them. I want to tell their story. And they've already trusted me and be like, yeah, sure. Come and do it. Like, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that for me was like really empowering, but was also like, it's a, it's, it's also really tough because as a director, it's like, you're the one making the th- decision. So it's like, okay, Mr. Director, what do you want to do now? Yeah, what's and like, next? And I'm like, I'm like, um, I don't know. Like, let's go, like, let's, let's ask or you know, let's, let's have this like just open interview, this open conversation for this project. I wanted people to speak their own truths. I didn't want to really lead them too hard. I really, I was looking for people who kind of were just introspective and wanted to speak out loud. And, you know, that's like a difficult thing to do. You know, Mm -hmm. it really is. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it was, it was tough, this project in general, because I would love to go back because I shot four different stories. I shot four different women. And in the end, uh, we made it about one woman, Chrissy, and she narrated the majority of it. And then um, uh, another woman, Jess, added a few things at the at the end of the film. But I, I I filmed with four different women, three of whom I knew previously, 
because I, I wanted to tell this story of this woman's community in Tofino. What I learned is that it's really hard to do that. Like, mm-hmm. it's really hard to, to tell a complete story because this place is so much more than surfing, but it is one of the most beautifully unifying things about the region. So I, I really I dove into that angle. That was my strongest angle in Tofino. I mean, I, I'm familiar with the, the Queen of the Peak. I know a lot of the people surfing. I know Chrissy, who started the Queen of the Peak. So it was an educational experience in documentary filmmaking mm-hmm. in that less is more. Um, and I, I'm really lucky that I had some really great editors on this. My friend Cecilia, she she was with me through the whole process and was really amazing. But another al- editor, uh, Alex, really gave us kind of the storyline. Like he took a crack at it. He looked at it and and I was like, yes, but I want to tell the story of Jess Hutchinson, who is like this amazing conservationist. And we went up um, the Tranquil River with her and I got to film salmon underwater spawning wow. and like see bears and bald eagles and like all this crazy nature. I really want to tie her story in. And he goes, yeah, but like, I mean, you're going to have to go back. Like if you want to tell these other women's stories, like, and Sophie, like she started the first choir in Tofino because her story is really amazing. It started from, um, a boat had sunk and, and some people had died and the whole town was mourning this and there was no music to sort of help anybody through this tough time. So she wrote a song with, with somebody in town who wrote a poem and it was just like this amazing connection. And it's like this incredible art, you know, for your ears and, and your, and your emotions too. And I filmed with her and at the choir and on the beach and I told her story, but like, I didn't have, I didn't have enough because their stories are so intricate and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so much more. And to try and weave four different people together in one little short documentary was just like, it really, those stories dove deeper and brought us down different avenues. And without going back, I wouldn't be able to unify them all together. And the same with, you know, my, my friend Lisa, who I, I filmed with also, she makes this really incredible jewelry in town inspired by the the region. And it's just like, they would be great stories on their own, but I couldn't bring them all together. And a part of me was like, oh man, should I go back and, and try and complete this? But I mean, like I said, that's where like the hard part and, and money comes in because like I, you know, I'm fully self-funding this and friends are donating their time and, and people are, you know, doing a lot of things like on a favor basis too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So really it was a learning process for me. Not only did I get to learn so much more about Tofino than I ever had in my subsequent visits, but I got to learn about filmmaking. And then I also got to learn about myself and, um, to know that it's okay for me to not know what's going to happen because that's my favorite way to shoot. I want to see this unfold in front of my eyes because you can't script real life. And, and I, I, I try and just pursue the truth in things. Mm-hmm. In looking at your work, there, there are sort of these two sides of your work that I see both equally compelling, but both very different. There's the, there's the surf sort of beach based lifestyle, but then there's this whole other side of your work that's very quiet and intimate and small. And the, the TV series and uh, the Rockaway trash is what I'm talking about. Yeah. How do you square those? And how did, how did one, how does one complement or compete with the other? Man, I don't know. I think you're tapping into actually one of my biggest insecurities when it comes to my work. Yeah, because when people ask what I do, like I always fumble. I mean, I'm like, oh, I'm a photographer and and filmmaker. You know, that's my favorite way to describe what Mm -hmm. I do. And then, but then when people know to ask a little more, what do you (laughs) shoot? Yeah. So what do you shoot? Yeah. Yeah. Would I have seen any of your work? Yeah. And I'm just like, uh, I don't. How do I say what do I shoot? Like, am I a documentarian? You Mm -hmm. know, like, Mm -hmm. but I also shoot. I'll shoot portraits. Like I love being with people. My portfolio is like, this is what I shoot for hire, or this is what I'm aiming for hire. And then my personal work is like, this is what I shoot when nobody's looking over my shoulder, or this is what I do when I'm on my own time. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. these are like my ideas basically. And, and, and it's, I have a ton of personal work and I like, sometimes I want to show it all. And, and, and I think really the best thing to do is just call it down, I think, and, and keep it small, neat, and compact. Um, I think I just try and find new things um, or things that I, I don't see or things that appeal to me because 
the TV series and, and Rockaway's Trash. That is just things that like sort of tickled me, I guess. I started shooting the, the trash cans when I first moved to Rockaway because I had been there before. And that it was the beach is downright dirty sometimes. It's like sometimes it's really nasty looking. Uh, <laughs> pe- people just like pile up the garbage. Right. They, there's like plenty of people just leave garbage behind. The birds are picking through it. The first time I ever went to Rockaway Beach, I was like, oh, dude, I'm never going back there. Like it's when I lived in Brooklyn. And I was like, I'm never going to that beach. That beach sucks, man. Like, and then lo and behold, I wind up living there. And it's like been my favorite place that I've I've been in, you know, in a long time. And when I first moved there, I started looking at these trash cans because they're yellow and they're old and they look like they're from like the 80s and they're just metal like sitting there on the beach, just in the middle of beaches. And I was like, this is so weird and ironic. And I hate that's the thing I didn't like about Rockaway was the garbage, you know, like the garbage on the beach that like slobs would leave behind, you know, and and I'm like, all right, like I'm I'm not pointing a finger, you know, I if I think I, I'm not religious, but like he who's cast the first stone, you know, like or he who hasn't sinned cast the first stone or whatever that sure. that quote is, you know, like I, I, I wouldn't want to be hypocritical. And like, I'm not like I don't ever want to like shame people, you know, in, in wh- how they choose to live their life, you know, like. I think that like feels really bad and like, cause we can all use improvement in, in many ways, you know, but mm-hmm. the trash thing was, is just really in my face. And, and I'm like, man, how do I, what do I do with this? So I just started like shooting empty cans. Cause I thought, I don't know, like ironic yeah. is the wrong word, but no, it's, me, it's, it's the think, right word. That's the, that's the thing really? that I, yeah, I think that's what kind of, what kind of hooked me is it's a commentary on garbage and trash and refuse but we don't ever see any of the garbage, trash, or refuse. We we just see the empty container, which means that the trash has to be somewhere else. And in right. your case, it's all over the beach. Right, exactly. And and like, you know, I didn't want to take a bunch of pictures of the overflowing trash mm-hmm. because that just didn't... Everybody's seen that. Like, we've seen that type of thing. And what's that going to do? Like, I'm, I'm one. It's like, look at, look how bad this is. Shame, shame, shame. Like, you right. know, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to point a finger. So I would see these trash cans during like a rainstorm or like a rainbow would be out. And I'd be like, man, I could make a pretty picture of this trash can right now. Like that, that would be cool. Right. So I started doing that. And it was one of those things that I, I kept to myself. Cause I, I was like, man, this is so weird. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? Like, at one point I think, um, I was, I I was with a friend of mine at like some point, I forget where we were, but she was like, yeah, well, I mean, you must love photography because I've seen you spend a half hour, take a picture of garbage cans. Like, yeah. So like, I um, get it, man. I get, I've got hundreds of pictures of dumpsters and I can't like you, I can't tell you what's so appealing about them. And people think it's a goof. They think that it, oh, look at that. It's, you're just, you're just goofing on dumpsters, but there's something compelling about them. Yeah. Yeah. And well, when you feel like when you're really interested in something, man, it could be a, a, it could be a garbage can. It could be a leaf on a tree. Like it doesn't matter. Like if you're interested in something and you're just like, keep looking at it, I think that's really significant. Mm-hmm. And that sort of was like, gave me this vehicle that keeps shooting something in this new place I lived. And I don't know, I just, I just kept seeing it and kept photographing it. And um, yeah. So how does that relate to w- w- my other work? You know, like, how do I explain that? You know, like sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, man, should I like, what's the route in photography? Like is like, cause it seems like there's like one path for people. Like right. people, people are portrait photographers or they're product photographers or, you know, whatever. And it's just like, well, now they are now they are. But if you go back a little ways, I mean, look at somebody like Irving Penn, he shot product, he shot reportage he shot fashion he shot portraits he was just a photographer he wasn't a landscape photographer or a sports photographer or we we, we've we've kind of adopted this shorthand so that when you get that question that you and i both hate so what do you do (laughs) you don't have to stand there for 20 minutes trying to trying to suss up the person that you're talking to going all right what do they want to hear Right. You know, what, what are they, what are they going to be comfortable enough to maybe follow up with or listen to or whatever it is. So it becomes more difficult. I think when you, the, the more you do, the more difficult it becomes to explain to another person what it is that you do. Right. 
I mean, in a, in a, in a perfect world, in an ideal world, and I mean, <laughs> my friend Mike would 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 totally shoot this down. But <laughs> in a perfect world, I would love to just shoot whatever I wanted. And mm-hmm. and there's there's people in my life who would be like, well, then just do that. Like right. that's a reality. Just do it. And I just I feel like I I can't I can't really do that. You know, like if if this is how I make a living, I have to shoot the stuff that pays the bills too. And then sort of to kind of to go back to I had this thought earlier in our conversation, but what was sort of motivating me to maybe think about leaving Rockaway or like going somewhere or like my next step was like, I was like, man, and I know it's really cliche and I know how it's going to sound. And I hope, you know, whatever, who cares what people think? I, uh, I <laughs> let I it think, rip. <laughs> dude, yeah. Living in a van would be so sick, man. And I like had this idea of like, oh man, I was like, should I get a van? And like, drive around the country and just see the things that I want to see and photograph the things that are important to me. Can I tell you something? Yeah, yeah. My friend Martin Rotz, M-A-A-R-T-E-N-R-O-T-S, Martin Rotz, uh-huh. uh, Dutch photographer. He and his wife live most of their time in a van. He photographs. He does pop-up shows, pop-up exhibitions. He carries prints in the back of the van with him. They've even got a dog. and. Wow. He's just this incredible itinerant artist and he just goes and, and much the same way that these things happen to you, one experience builds on the next because he's open to letting that happen. Yeah. Yeah. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. I, I hate like being in one place, like for a really long time. Like I, I think I mentioned earlier, I, I moved around, I moved at least once a year minus Rockaway for the past, like over 10 years, maybe probably how am I 34? So probably in the past 10 years, I've moved at least once a year, Yeah. sometimes a couple times. Yeah. I bounced around. I'm like, okay with that sort of, um, uncertainty, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, like I hate that. I'm like, Oh, I'm New York based. So like, I'm like, but then like all my favorite work, I leave New York city to shoot, you right. know, all the best right. stuff. I like, I go to, I was like in Hawaii in the falls and Tofino to show the film. Like I, I go these other places and, um, I don't know. I think that it would be really freeing to not, I, I think there's a big pressure from, from me and, you know, obviously nobody else, but to show my portrait work and my lifestyle work, because ideally that's what I want to get hired for those things. Like I'm a really great people person, even though I'm not like, I'm not a huge personality. I'm just more like, I, I think I'm easy to hang out with, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, mm-hmm. so like, that's kind of how I, I like to, photograph people sort of hanging out with them um but like a dream of mine would be to just shoot those weird oddball ideas that i have and just that's it and just like you know i don't know it's it's really tough to think about you know because like i have a friend my friend kyo who's who really was my first maybe an only mentor really in photography he's the first person who took me under his wing and like didn't hold secrets like it didn't like I could ask him, what do you charge for a wedding? Mm. Or I could ask him, like, how do you light this? Or like, you know, and it wasn't a trade secret that he was the no. only one to benefit from. Yeah. 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 Not at all. He's he's one of the most giving and kind, caring people I've ever met. And uh Do you pay that forward? Oh yeah. I I'm transparent. I, yeah. Like anybody who approaches me, like I I help them out as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um but he, what he said to me once that's always stuck with me. And he's like, you know, not everything you do is going to be creatively fulfilling and that's okay. So there's also that, you know, that I like, I feel like I'm like, all right, that's really true too. Like I, I can't just like do nothing and then like only shoot TVs like around the country. Like I, 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 <laughs> well, I mean, you, and you, you could, I, I right. <laughs> <laughs> I could, but also at the end of the day, I don't think that that would be a hundred percent fulfilling. I, right. I, um, I think what the TVs was for me, that was one of the first things I started shooting that was like just for me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think I'd ever share kind of, cause it was this weird thing. And I, I was working a job where I was driving a lot and I would see these TVs all over and I would just, I would literally stop and get out, shoot it with 35 millimeter, shoot it with digital. Doesn't matter. You know, like whatever it's sort of, while I was working and like doing the things that quote I needed to do, you know, mm-hmm, like to mm-hmm. make money, to pay bills, whatever. Right, 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 right. This was like an escape from that. These TVs were an escape from that, um, in a sense. 
And I think that project, it was really great to do it in between work. And that's like sort of what like glued or bridged those gaps in between like, oh, I'm doing this thing. It's not creatively fulfilling. Oh, shit, a TV. Let me pull over, pull over. Oh, does this look cool? Like, let me frame this up. Like, what is this? You know, and like, I think to go deeper into maybe the TVs is that like, I, I, man, I, I, I mean, I don't own TV now. Um, in Rockaway, my roommate had TV. So like I, I would, I watch TV and stuff like that, but like, you know, I like watch the news when I was a kid, like it's like a weird thing to watch, you know, or Saturday cartoons and stuff. But like, I, maybe it's because I moved around a lot, but also I didn't have the need to have a TV. I never, I didn't own my own TV. I don't know about ever. And I, 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 I think the, the TV project for me was also an exploration of TVs in and of itself because man, there are these things that we invite into our homes and they see the most intimate moments like in your life. Like people build their living rooms around their TV. Like, right. you know, they, the TV is the centerpiece. The the couch is an L and the chair rounds it out to a U and we all gather. Like this is our our new hearth. You know, it's like it's our new fire pit and and here we are lounging watching the TV and that wasn't an experience that I had, um, in my life, at least, you know, in, in my twenties and like maybe when I was younger, like to a degree, but it was sort of a way for me to just explore TV and, and in that sense too, I guess, you know, to maybe analyze myself a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, when you talk through this and sort of think about what this project or what these photographs could represent or could mean, do they take on a different meaning for you? that maybe we don't get as a viewer? Oh, fully. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's my personal work, you know? And like, I think that like, there's just feelings and emotions there that like, I just, even if I talked them out loud, like they weren't anybody else's experience. So like they wouldn't really understand, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, just thinking it through, I mean, if, I wonder if adding that context, adding that, to the body of work could do, does that allow it to be something more for us as an audience as well does it allow it to be to make that sort of transition into either gallery show or book or zine or you know there are these quarterly things that you release while you're out on the road that sort of help fund but also inspire you to shoot personally in addition to the commercial like it 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 seems like it could fit in a lot of different places. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's cool. You brought that up. I was like, literally, I was walking down the street this morning and I was literally thinking, I was like, oh man, it'd be cool to like put my work together into a book. Like I, I, I just printed a zine actually of my infrared work as like a way to like promo what I do. Like I mailed physical copies out to some people in the industry, some I know and some I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's like basically what I'm, that's the part of the objective here in California is to, I mean, I brought 10 rolls of that stuff, which is probably overkill. I'm really selective when I shoot it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm going to shoot a bunch of that out here. And I, um, my friend Elsa designed the zine like two years ago. Hmm. And, uh, she's, she's so talented. She's so damn talented. I found her on Instagram and like, I, I just asked her if she did any freelance stuff and, so she designed this thing and I've been sitting on that design for like two years because I like ran out of money. Like the Tofino thing started happening and the print it was going to be like two grand or something like that. I just like didn't have it. And, um, but then this winter I found a place that like did it cheaper somewhere in the middle of the country. Like I just need to send the design out and they'll right. like, so I got, uh, like 50 soft cover, like I'm calling it a zine. It's funny. I, and I, and I sent it to my friend Tyler, um, who's, whose work's really talented. He actually just showed in uh, LA here. His name's Tyler Howie. And um, he had like his own little booth at like the LA Photo Fair. And he's doing really well. He he just um, released his first book last year. And I sent him a copy. And he's like, dude, don't call us a zine. This is a book, man. You know, like, so, nice. yeah, it's... Um, Are you going to make them available or will they be available on your website? Um, I put them, like, I just did one little story on my on my Instagram. And I was like, yeah, 20 bucks. I'll just mail it out to you, which covers costs and shipping. You know, like I kind of, I just wanted something to offset the costs for me because mm -hmm. I didn't need 50 of these books, you know, but like, I'm like, well, also maybe I can offer people this stuff who like my work. So like, that was cool. Um, I don't know. Like, I think the idea of a book would be interesting. And I think telling the story of where the work comes from is really what makes it more 
of a tangible thing for people. Yeah. I'm, I'm a them, huge fan of context. Yeah. Bringing people into that like emotional context yeah. is important. Like, you know, just us talking through this, I'm like, yeah, like, man, okay, the TVs are weird. But if you tell people about the project, everybody who I talk to about it, they're, they think it's interesting, you know? So to make a book and to tell people why you're emotionally connected to it, I think brings in a really cool aspect to the story. Right. Um, so many photographers want to just let their work speak for themselves. And I understand that, but that also doesn't work. Like that's not like, I think the context can draw you in deeper and that inspires you to, I think, become more of a fan of not only the work, but the maker. Yeah. Yeah. Understanding somebody's process or where they're coming Mm -hmm. from. Mm -hmm. I mean, even something as simple and, and I don't mean simple in a pejorative term at all, but the photo that that you posted of the girl on the sofa, the yellow sofa with the, with the astronaut Uh, helmet. Yeah. I'm like, I need to know more about this. Like, is, (laughs) is that her helmet? And if so, why does she have an astronaut helmet? You know, like whose sofa is this? Yeah. Those types of connections, I think, draw us into the work. Yes. You can be mysterious about it. Yes. You can be sort of intentionally, um, vague, but I think there's a potential, a greater potential for connection, letting that audience in, letting us in on the joke. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. Um, and I think that's important. And, and yeah, that, that photo, like, it's great. I mean, now, like just you saying that out loud, I'm like, yeah, man, I guess like people don't know the story behind it. Mm-hmm. It's not like a big elaborate thing, but like you asked all the questions that I'm just like, okay, those are all her clothes. That's her <laughs> space helmet. That, that's her couch. <laughs> so is it was a really fun shoot. Like, and that this is the thing that really like drives me creatively is just being around people who are having fun. Right. Um, I, uh, my, my friends, um, uh, Nick and, and 4G were like on that shoot. And really the three of us like to shoot photos. And, uh, Eva who's in the space helmet is 4G's girlfriend. Mm. Um, and, we were like, let's just like get together and shoot some photos. And like, let's just go to 4G's place. They've got like this cool couch and we're like, all right, whatever. And like, um, Eva's got like, like all these like random clothes and has like a really cool style. And, and, um, it was just like, it was just, and it was, I think, was it a Saturday night? I think it was like a a Saturday or a Friday night. Like, I'll tell you, like, like some of my favorite things to do are just like be shooting on a Friday night or a Saturday night. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Man, like you can go out and have fun and stuff, but like, man, I'd so much rather like be creating something, especially around a bunch of people who are excited and really like the whole point was like, all right, let's just like, we'll take this room and this couch and we'll all just like figure out like what we want to do. And, and Nick shot a couple photos of, of even this like really cool suit, like this plaid suit that Eva's like dad had given her or something. And it was like really interesting and really cool. It was like a great contrast. And then, um, I went in, um, 4G and Eva's bedroom and, and Forgey's like, all right, like, here's all our clothes. Like, what do you, like, what do you want? Like, and I was like, I was like, whoa, how about like these boots that like sequin, <laughs> like dress or skirt or whatever it's called. And like, I was like, and then I was walking out and I was like, yo, whose space helmet is this? <laughs> <laughs> so it was awesome, man. And it's so funny because I, I, like, I'll say that my work in filmmaking has really honed my eye in like let's say art direction and styling Mm -hmm. um, and being more like uh, a stickler for details because um, I mean, I, you could always say you could just fix it in post and that's easier in photo than I will than in video, but like getting it right in camera is like really, dude, that's like, that's the ultimate, you know? And, and uh, that attention to detail is like, I think I've pulled from filmmaking and like, what's really great is it's brought it into my, my still photography um, I love both. Like I really do. And I, I really love the ability to jump between both. Mm-hmm. And like when I can get a, like when I have a client who hires me for both, that's like, that's awesome. But like, I've always pulled my inspiration from cinema, you know, like I love going to the movies. Like maybe I didn't have TV, you know, but like I'll go to the movies and I'll sit there in the middle of the day by myself and watch a movie because yeah. my phone has to go off. And I just am only there in, living in that moment watching. And man, some of the lighting is so damn incredible in, in filmmaking. Mm. Um, I mean, I love watching the camera movement. That's also a favorite of mine. But like really, like cinematic lighting 
is just really amazing. And the style and the, the effort that goes into, um, you know, making a great motion picture, I think also has allowed me to, to take more time to really focus on what I want something to look like. Or uh, just like having an idea and then just being able to run with it, kind of like, you know, the shoot with Eva. If you'd like to see some of Ryan's work, including his terrific documentary, Tofino is a Place, head over to his website at ryanstruck.com. That's R-Y-A-N-S-T-R-U-C-K.com. You can also find him on Instagram at ryanstruck. Subscribe to Process Driven in your favorite podcast app, Or if you'd like to get every episode of Process Driven, along with my other shows in between and iterations, subscribe to Jeffrey Sidoris Everything. If you're enjoying the show, you can help others find it by leaving a review or a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts or by sharing it on social media. Connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Jeffrey Sidoris, that's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S, or on my website at jeffreysidoris.com. You can also email me at talkback at jeffreysedoris.com if you've got a story to tell or you have someone interesting that you think I should talk to for Process Driven, shoot me an email. Thanks very much for listening. I appreciate you being here and I'll talk to you on the next one.